This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Welcome to our American Horror Story 1984 minisode. This week we are dissecting episode 1, Camp Redwood. Each week we will be dissecting every episode of the slasher theme season of American Horror Story, going over the synopsis, the kill list, and our usual dissection. Um, so, this is something new that we're doing for the show. We decided that we wanted to do a weekly, just smaller kind of mini episode for Keep Screaming since the new American Horror Story is a slasher themed show. And, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, you know that is what we cover, is slashers. So it's pretty uh, pretty opportune timing and very apropos of the show. Um, so the first episode is Camp Redwood, debuted, what, well, this will come out Friday. Yeah, it's on Wednesdays, so the 18th of September. Um, reception pretty much just dropped today, and it's very positive pretty much across the board. It's getting, like... I mean, if you want to read it with grades, like B plus yeah. scoring. Yeah. I mean, first episode, it's always hard to tell where, especially with the show or the series, where it's going to mm-hmm. go, but we'll find out. Yeah. If you guys follow American Horror Story at all, like, or just like are involved in the discussion of American Horror Story, it's like, it is very commonplace to see a lot of people say it's, it has a Stephen King problem, which is it doesn't know how to wrap up a lot of the time. Um, it's often criticized for how it ends because it is well noted that a lot of the series, like seasons, start off strong um, and then kind of taper out for a lot of people. Not for everyone. There are de- plenty of people who definitely like it all the way through or watch it all the way through. I know. So my personal history with American Horror Story is I've been watching since the very first season, mm-hmm. um, which was 2011. Um, and it was called just at that point it was called American Horror Story. It is now called Murder House. Um, and I loved it. And then Asylum came out two years later and I struggled through Asylum and then I watched all of Coven and then I've never finished a season after. I've started Freak Show, got about halfway through, started Roanoke, got like three or four episodes through, and then other than that, I've never watched any of them, but um, since this one is all slasher themed, we will be watching it from start to finish. Yes, so that is sort of our disclaimer. This is not an American Horror Story podcast. If Mm -hmm. you... Um, are new to us we are in it for the slasher aspects Mm -hmm. um and so a similar story for me i i have a hard time once it usually gets to like the mid-season reveal i lose interest Mm -hmm. um i've watched in completion murder house and coven Uh, i have seen oh no i was i lost mid-season reveal of asylum it lost me mid-season reveal freak show it lost me um but the other seasons i planned to get to those all came out when i was super busy and wasn't really watching tv in general um i did actually just watch the pilot of hotel and it like kind of fucked me up a little bit but i'm excited to watch that season so but we're insanely excited that this is slasher themed right up our alley um and yeah it should be good Mm -hmm. um ninth season 
pretty crazy. Yeah, Um, and if you're brand new to American Horror Story, just so you know, it's an anthology show, so they do change the the theme of it every season. A lot of the actors carry over, not necessarily the same characters, but the actors carry over um, very frequently, and then they do a lot of, like, loose tie-ins. Last season, Apocalypse did some, like, heavy tie-ins to the other seasons, but there have always been kind of, like, references or, like, teases to other seasons within. Yeah, so we'll always bring that up if we are aware of them at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if we haven't seen the seasons, we'll be like, oh, this is a reference to this previous season and whatnot. Yeah. Our director of this episode is Bradley Buecher. Um, He did 2017's Billy Boy, which is a thriller film. He does a lot of collaboration with Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, or Falchuk, who are the creators of American Horror Story. Um, So he has worked with Murphy on most of his projects, including Glee, other seasons of American Horror Story, and Scream Queens, as well as that um, kind of procedural show, 911. Which is on Fox. Ryan Murphy's. It is? Yeah, pretty sure. Oh, no way. Yeah. That show's so cheeseball. There is no way that... Yeah, why do you think Connie Britton was in the first season? Oh, yep, that's that's him. Wow, he really did that? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so that's also Ryan Murphy. Didn't know. The more you know. (laughs) Um, And then, yes, the creators, um, also the writers of this episode, so that would be Murphy and Falchuk, who I believe write every episode of this show. I don't think... I mean, they obviously have a writing staff, but... I think they're always head writers. Yeah. Um, This season, our cast, so we will go over who was in this episode, and then as new characters pop up, we will talk about them. Um, So this season, we get Emma Roberts as Brooke Thompson, who so far has sort of revealed herself um, to be the virgin, like token virgin final girl slasher trope. Um, Billy Lord is playing, um, Montana Duke, who's sort of, like, the sex-obsessed, um, BFF character, uh, really loud and, um, whatnot. Uh, blunt. Yes. Uh, Leslie Grossman as Margaret Booth. She is the camp counselor. Um, she's, like, Jesus-loving, obsessed, and we find out why. Yeah, (laughs) and she bought... Camp Redwood. Yeah, so she bought the camp. So she's she was a previous counselor, and now she's the camp owner and wants to restart it. Um, Cody Fern is Xavier Plimpton, who might be gay. Might be sort of the tropey, like homophobic gay. The like, I'm not gay, so I'm gonna say like homophobic things. Yeah, he seems closeted, and like we are both cis white people so um yeah take that for what you will yeah, take our but we do have friends um two of our friends um fellow like journalists um jill lipsit from uh horror queers and uh terry messnerd from gaily dreadful do us a, a written synopsis of the episodes and they both kind of viewed him as that too so i feel like we're in line there yeah and yeah. you can see their um written sn- breakdowns every week on gailydreadful.com yeah well they, they alternate so one week gaily dreadful next week it's on horror queers horror queers yeah mm-hmm. yeah well but they through s- bloody disgusting yeah. yeah so they switch back and forth yeah anywho um so maybe we'll see yeah. that character's story arc should appear it didn't really have a lot of screen time um matthew morrison is new to this world um that's a glee actor uh, he's playing Trevor Kirchner, 
He's like the creepy counselor. Uh, who's older than all of them, who's but like, still hitting on them all. Right. Like, kind of reminded me of that really uncomfortable scene in Friday. Oh, the first Friday. Yeah, the yeah. first Friday yeah. where he's out there and you're like, all right, so this counselor, except for their age difference was probably like a couple years, where Matthew Morrison's probably fucking 20 years older than Billy Lord, yeah. IRL. Um, but uh, I just have the big note in here. Big dick energy. Yeah. It's very, like, they make many notations that his penis is huge. I mean, you can see it. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, I mean, you, you could, see a, a penis-shaped thing. You see a uh, faux penis-shaped yeah. thing. I guarantee you that's not what his dick looks like. He played Mr. Shoe in Glee, so this is weird, because I actually watched Glee, so it's <laughs> a definite too. 180 yeah. from that character. Um, Gus Kenworthy, who is IRL an Olympian... Oh, really? Um, yes. Uh, as Chet Clancy, who's our jock character, which is very appropriate, and kind of funny that, so 1984 was the year that the Olympics were in LA, were in LA, um, and that is a story point, um, in this, and so it's, he doesn't, his character, Chet, doesn't make it into the Olympics because he failed a drug test, so that's just kind of a funny nod to him in real life, because he's actually an Olympian. He's a freestyle skier. Yeah. Um, John Carroll Lynch as Mr. Jingles, who is our sort of Michael Myers-esque killer Mm -hmm. so far. Um, And if you're familiar with The Prowler, which is another slasher movie that we haven't covered yet, um, his entire, like, Vietnam arc is kind of very Prowler-esque. And his outfit is very, I know what you did. Yeah, it's got the, like, rain slicker thing to it. Which is interesting. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be the same as the trailers for American Horror Story, but in all the trailers, he's, like, ski mask, right? Well, I think that's the Night Stalker. Oh. Yeah. That's our other killer. So that is, Mr. Jingles is one killer, and then the, the killer we've seen in the trailers, like, underneath the car and the ski mask, that is the Night Stalker. Um, a.k.a. Richard Ramirez, played by Zach Vila, who's our, like, true crime. This is a real killer mm. that was rampant in the but, 80s. Yeah, in late Los 70s, Angeles. Early, early, yeah. early 80s in Los Angeles and, like, two kills in San Francisco, but yeah. So that is, so we have our Michael Myers, like our, our Prowler, little, literally our slasher killer. Yeah, and our then we, 80s movie yeah. killer, yeah. And then we have, like, what everybody's obsessed with right now is our true crime killer, which I find very interesting and very smart. I really like that. It's smart on them, and it, it's in tone. They've always done that. Like, you just mentioned, like, there are numerous actual serial killers in Hotel. Murder House had a lot of, mm-hmm. like, the whole Black Dahlia thing. Uh-huh. Like, so they've always kind of tapped into real life horror as well as uh, like extrapolate like fantastical horror yeah and then we have angelica ross playing rita who is the nurse at the camp she is so far only possible tie-in to the other seasons that we know of she mentions to brooke um that she works at hawthorne hospital and in apocalypse the hawthorne school for exceptional young men was a big role on that season, and they're both in California, so possibly that's a connection. I don't know if they'll do anything with that. Yeah, it could be actually connected. It could just be a fun throwaway gag, but we don't know yet. We don't know. That's a fun thing about TV, why I love TV so much. So much unfolds. Is that, yeah, you don't know. You spent, I mean, it's like 37, 40 minutes that we probably spent. I think the runtime I looked up was like 37 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, that's all we got. 
Yeah. We'll it, find out. It's uh, definitely Teen Scream, and it's definitely a summer camp like slasher yeah like hardcore friday vibes mm-hmm. uh i mean you know, on purpose everything right. in the show is intentional yes. like all these nods and things i actually saw a couple of reviews like knocking it they're like this is like like really leans in nostalgia it's like yeah no duh like it's, it's literally the point that's of it. the point of it and also what is funny though because b and i were talking about this earlier 1984 is like a real critical year for the 80s apparently because the new wonder Woman movie is also 1984 and the newest season of stranger things was uh-huh. also 1984 yeah. so yeah 84 i guess is like that year it kind of makes sense to me like you know you get too far in, late into the 80s you start blending into the 90s um but like that mid 80s like, like was when we picture what yeah. the 80s is this is like the epitome, the definition. Yeah, it's so, you know, I don't know. I guess eighty four the was day the glow, neon mall, mall obsessed, yeah, yeah. jazzercising era of the 80s. Robin Sparkles. Yeah, yeah, teased hair, all that, all that fun stuff. So we have two killers technically. Um, we have the Night Stalker, who uh, we don't see him. They do mention him killing in this episode. It's like mentioned in the beginning of the episode. We don't see him kill anyone, but he does attack our main character, which is kind of the catalyst for like the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Benjamin Richter, who is referred to as Mr. Jingles because of his keys that he carries. The janitor. Yeah. Um, he was the janitor for the summer camp. And um, his entire storyline is basically he did two tours in Saigon and um vietnam and he became obsessed with murdering people and like keeping trophies and essentially he came back he got dishonorably discharged um and he came back to the states and the only job he could get was um the only job he could get was as the janitor of camp redwood and then he snapped and that's how our episode starts is um we have three teenagers that are having a uh female female male threesome in a camp uh in a like the cabin and he kills them we see him kill them and then we come to find out he also killed it's those three nine die total so six other counselors or six other um they're not students what what is the word i'm thinking of um oh what's it called when you're at a camp Campers? Campers. Wow. <laughs> my brain. I'm like, wow. I don't, was really didn't know what word you were looking for. They, the, yeah. We see Campers. Him, we see him kill the three counselors and we know they're counselors because they say like, aren't we supposed to be the responsible ones? Right. Um, and then he kills, it, we all, it's revealed he also killed six other campers. Um, so he thought he killed seven other and um, one of the, one of them survived. Yeah. So yeah, that's how it starts off. And it's funny, like if you... Watch, that's part of the fun of watching um, TV is that a big thing is like live tweeting with it or being like on Twitter when the episode's airing. And so I saw a lot of people and it just makes it really interactive. And that's one of the things that's so great about um, Twitter in general and social media, but also TV and live TV is that you have that sense of community that you would have if you were watching a movie with a bunch of your friends mm-hmm. um, that you don't get. Like you can't do that in a movie theater. Um, and some people, I get it, don't like to talk during movies and whatnot. Um, but I enjoy, if I'm watching something live, like going on Twitter and like tweeting in with people, I find that really fun. So it was funny to see like when this like opening scene just right 
started off the bat and people were like, oh, let's take bets and see how long they survive. And they're like, oh, wait, just kidding. Yep. Like, it's like two minutes. Yeah, yeah. maybe. If that. Just yeah. enough to like allude that one of them was like uh, a little cautious about the scenario and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as their shirt came off, it's like, nope, you did wrong. Yeah. You done bad. Um, I like this scene too. Like the kill right off the get go was solid. Like mm-hmm. I like that he stabs. They're making out, and he stabs through the back of the man's head, so it also goes through her mouth. Yeah. Um. So it's both of them. Um. And then he kind of like, uh, he stabs the other girl, and then it's like revealed as he's walking out of the cabin. Just the rest of the campers are laid there. But what's cool is um, the three campers are laid on top of each other like sorority row. Oh, yeah. Which we just watched, so that was kind of neat. Yeah, and then as he's leaving, he cuts off the ear of who we find out to be um, Margaret. Yeah. Right? That's her name? Yeah. Yeah. Margaret, our camp owner, our new camp owner. Um, But, yeah, he cuts off her ear, and it's pretty. I mean, this show has a crazy budget. I mean, I didn't look it up, but I think they get millions of dollars, like, per episode. I'm sure. American Horror Story has become, like, a staple for FX yeah. and it's like a it's one of those few things that I think is still it's not like Game of Thrones watching that's but, big but it's big it's so still scheduled non, viewing non-adjusted yeah. no DVR no clap or streaming services just regular old Nelson numbers 2.3 million for this which yeah. is pretty damn good not I mean now. yeah I mean you're looking but that's like the numbers from um, like DVR and streaming yeah, are main bigger. numbers yeah. now. Because um, you're looking at Walking Dead in its peak getting like 11, 9, 11. And yeah. obviously people don't talk about American Horror Story like they did Walking Dead, but it's still big. Yeah, especially because culture has horror has such a huge culture. Yeah. So like all horror fans tune into it. Right. It's cool though because like it is neat that we have appointment television still like for certain things and like and like b was saying i think a lot of that is driven people want to be part of the conversation on twitter so they watch they want to watch it live because they want to be able to discuss it in live time with the people that are watching it yeah um so it does force people kind of into that appointment um television which you know like i miss and i don't like there's there's things about like the aspects that i miss obviously it's nice to be able to watch whatever you want whatever you want now but also also there were perks to like appointment television yeah it's a different era for sure yeah and then as soon as this is done we go straight into our main plot yeah well our plot and then our credits so it's new new credits with american horror story every season Mm -hmm. um and this one i just thought was interesting to note because i mean we don't have a poster to talk about per episode they did have amazing posters to advertise the season, like they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all awesome. Definitely check them out. Um, I have a feeling, like most other seasons, not necessarily going to relate to things that happen. No, but yeah. it's about what the season's about. Yeah, it's very thematically yes. in tune. Yeah. Um, so just a lot of homages to other um, slasher posters, which is something, and they're beautifully, beautifully done, beautifully yeah. illustrated, and. Um, but I liked the the intro, the new intro because they're using different music. They decide to go with like a synth score, which is obviously insanely appropriate for the time period. And then it's got like 
mixes in with the current the things happening at the time. Uh-huh. So like you're getting like Olympic stuff and you're getting, you know, the jazzercise and the Baywatch vibes and all this and then they're cutting it in with like the very violent yeah. um imagery. And it's so, well done. Yeah, it's very well done. I um, always love their opening credits. They are. They always Whoever does them is really fantastic. A very lucky graphic designer. Yeah. yeah. Um but uh, no, I I noticed that too cuz they do change but they've always been that one theme, right? That, that creepy ass. I believe theme. so. Yeah. I'm not sure. I guess I haven't watched all the seasons, yeah. but I, I, I remember think it being that. Most of the time, it's the like classic. Yeah, know, it sounds like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. good. It's very good. It yeah, it's like, it's creepy yeah. as shit. It's like fits. It yeah. makes it creeps you out before the show even starts. Yeah. Um, so the basic like plot synopsis is in 1984, Brooke Thompson is attacked by the Night Stalker and decides to leave town for the summer to work as a counselor at Camp Red with, with her friends. On the way there, they strike a disoriented man in the road. This is the synopsis for the episode, by the way, not the season. Um, the group takes him to the camp where he's tended to by the camp nurse, Rita. Margaret Booth, the owner of the camp, introduces herself to the group, gives them a tour of the grounds, and asserts rules. Later, around the campfire, the group learns that Camp Redwood was the site of a massacre in 1970 committed by the groundskeeper, Benjamin Richter, referred to as Mr. Jingles. Margaret reveals that she was the sole survivor of that night, and Brooke finds the man they struck on the road slain by Mr. Jingles, she thinks. Um, yeah, so after we're introduced from that first scene, we kick right into meeting Brooke. She's new in L.A. She's at a jazzercise class. She's immediately interested in Chet because he's got rock-hard abs. Um, and we, we kind of get, like, a fun little introduction to all our characters. It's like that, um, that's, it's not, it's almost, it's not quite graffiti. It almost looks like paint instead, like how it pops their names up uh-huh yeah um but like you're oh, you in- mean like the font yeah oh yeah it's just i could probably look it up and name the font but it's just one of those like horror fonts but they put it where it looks like brush strokes like yeah it's been painted but it's like horror-esque and they just put it in like neon colors yeah and that's and how the very 80s yeah like here's my character and then whip their head around and then their name pops up um so we're introduced to brooke uh, Montana, in this scene, that's how we're introduced to our core group of, of characters, yeah. which is Brooke, Montana, Margaret, or not Margaret, sorry, it's Brooke, Montana, Xavier, uh, Chet, and where's the other character? We don't have them listed. Oops. we got to get that character. Oh, Ray. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, um, played by Darren Horton. Yes, um, and Ray. And so we find out that Brooke is new in town. Um, they all have met each other. They've become friends mostly through just like living in LA. Like, um, you know, um, yeah, Xavier wants to be an that. actor. Yeah. Chet and Ray both um, met at the gym. Um, Montana accidentally got in a car accident with with Xavier. Um, and they're all getting out of town because one, the Olympics are coming to town and it's going to be a shit show. And two, they're kind of freaked out by the killings that have been happening by the Night Stalker. Um, so they invite Brooke along, and at first she declines because she's going to school and Santa uh, Monica. Also, she doesn't know these people. Yeah, literally, she it's makes a day. like yeah. the like smart decision to be like, mm, I don't know if I should go to a summer camp with these people I met three seconds ago. But I love it because at first she's like, oh, I don't know, but then she goes a day later, and it's so eighties. Like that was in movies, like in eighties uh-huh. movies, a hundred percent. It's like. Hey, I know we just met. Like, I know it's our first day of college, but like, we're going away this week. And you want to go? It's like, yeah, totally. Uh-huh. So, I really love that Murphy just like doesn't 
really like fully dives in and doesn't really give a shit of like eh, it doesn't matter if they don't know each other like they're just gonna, this no I, yeah. I mean i obviously that's the point These yeah characters are going to be making decisions that w- wouldn't happen in a, a modern day right world um but this is 84 but i we'll see as the show goes on if that trend continues but i do kind of see an air of being like decisions being made that seem current like her going like yeah no and then being like changing their mind and doing things that really are in tone with right well because so she's she is attacked by richard ramirez and then she decides to leave yeah Yeah. because she's like yeah i'm gonna get the hell out of town that's what motivates her and that scene i like that scene um so she's in her apartment it's creepy and it's creepy um so that's when we get sort of more like our modern suspense Mm -hmm. um or something that we see from like later slashers not 80s no um and i love she has a rapunzel moment she like defends herself by hitting him over the head with her like cast iron frying pan um and then she's just like sitting there and you can hear her neighbors and this i love this too because her neighbor's like we've called the police we've called the cops like blah 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 and he's like telling her that he's gonna come back for her and she has to like swear himself to satan which i believe is something ramirez like actually told his victims yeah um i don't know anything about him i am very not a true crime person on purpose. Bea and I are both kind of anti-true crime. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, yeah, it's a whole thing. I, it's not, there's certain things of true crime, like I just watched that show Unbelievable. When I started it, I didn't know it was necessarily true crime or based on a true story, but usually not for me. So I know nothing about him um, and I will just have that disclaimer. And uh, she will know nothing about him because she's not going to look it up. No, I will not. Yeah. That is not for me. Nope. All I wish you, I did it. Yeah. All <laughs> you little true crime sickos out there yeah. can tell me all about them. I don't want to know. Yeah, it's real fucked up. Um, so, but he, so she does decide to go. And then I love it too because, so she's in the van with them. And um, they, first they stop at the gas station. We get like super cabin in the woods vibes of like the Harbinger, you know, like our crazy Ralph character. Well, and then it's like straight out of Texas, Chainsaw. Yeah. 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 There's so many like homages and references uh-huh. in this. Because um, he's like, they mention Redwood, and he's like, you going to Camp Redwood? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, turn around, get out of here. Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. Which is like, yeah, TCM. Like, yeah. Which has then been used, because that's a, a proto-slasher, a yeah. billion times. So they, of course, ignore it, and they're like, oh, that guy was so weird. Uh-huh. And then I, I love it because, like, they're hitting the beat so fast, because they're, like, literally driving away going, that guy was weird. And then they hit a hitchhiker, uh-huh. and, or, like, a, someone wandering around in the woods, um, who and, is... Yeah. Um, he's like the the wanderer, the hiker. He's played by Lou Taylor Pucci. Um, if you guys don't know who that is, um, he played. Um, he's in the new. He was in the new Evil Dead movie as Eric, the friend with like longer hair and glasses. But he's been in a ton of genre stuff. He was in Spring, um, which is the Moorhead and Benson like kind of like romantic horror movie. He showed up in You as Benji. Um, he's very like very talented, prolific. He was in Horseman with Dennis Quaid. Um, but he shows up as like the hitchhiker, and so they hit him, and say, "I, I love, I do love though that they're like we're taking him to the camp instead yeah, of leaving say, him on the side of the road." We we'll talk about it more in one of our our regular our next regular episode, which is on sorority row. Mm-hmm. But Ryan and I are getting really tired of the like accidental accidental trope yeah. in slasher films, which I mean just comes with it because it's a very big trope, but the. We accidentally commit a crime that we could easily call the cops about and 
probably not ever serve time. But if we did, it'd be way better than, you know, getting stalked and slashed by a serial killer. Yep. Um, so this is your tip. This is like straight out of fucking name a slasher movie that you do something and normally, you know, they'd they be leave dump- that dead ass body on the side of the road. They leave the dead body on the side of the road or they'd the be lake. dumping it in the lake yeah. or doing something and like, no, we got to take him back. I'm like, holy shit. So this is again where I'm seeing the like modern rationale pop in and then ends up being a 80s yeah. slasher thing later. I love that Xavier's like, gonna do fine, that but we just found him like this. Yeah, and we didn't like, hit him. It's like, okay. So yeah. I did enjoy that. Yeah. No, that was good. Um, so they get to the camp, they offload the, um, the hitchhiker, or the traveler, and they, like, um, we meet the nurse, we meet, um, uh, our camp counselor, the owner of the camp, Marker Booth, who we find out is, like, very, like, um, believes in Jesus, and, and basically we find out, too, because they're sitting around the campfire, we, we find out that she is the sole survivor of the massacre, which is why she believes in Jesus, because she believes that Jesus saved her. Um, because that night when she's laying there and he cuts her ear off, she was able to stay completely still, not move, not make a sound or anything. So he thought she was dead. Um, and she claims it's because she like saw a light and it was an angel that was like helping her stay silent, which is why she is also reopening the camp because she's trying to conquer her fears and turn a place that was so traumatic for her into a place of happiness and light. Um, and that's when we also find out that Mr. Jingles is still alive, but, um, like in a, like penitentiary like a, a mental institute essentially yeah, we get our flashback to i don't know three hours ago right yeah we get our flashback to it's, it, yeah it's three hours ago and he fakes his own suicide to get the guard to come into the room um and then he kills the guard uh, oh we forgot the, the guard on here so that's another kill uh, but he strangles the guard to death and he escapes and on his way out he hits the like mass release button um, and this is when we get, like, our very 100% a nod to Halloween. Because, um, like, the doctor rolls up, and all of the inmates are just traveling around on the front mm-hmm. lawn. And I was like, oh, this is so Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then um, John Squires, Freddy in Space, from Bloody Disgusting, pointed out that she's actually dressed like Annie from Halloween. Like, her outfit looks a lot like Annie's. Um, and then, like, lots of mentions, like, Loomis um so lots of fun little nods like that no she's dressed like Lori, but she looks he thinks he oh, looks, looks like, like annie, annie but dressed literally like dressed yeah. just like Lori. yeah so lots of fun little nods like that in there um and then um we get like the actor who played uh horace pinker and shocker he is the um he is like the warden i guess of the mental ward too so like he pops in for a moment um so there's a lot again like they're just doing a lot of mitch plaguey that's his name um lots of fun little nods for horror fans slasher fans for sure um and then while this is happening we're still like we're kind of getting further into our character depth like meeting more people um like we're we're learning that brooke is definitely very like virtuous like she she checks in on the counts or on the hiker numerous times um, he wakes up at one point and, like, tells her that she needs to leave and something bad's going to happen. And we mm-hmm. see that his ear is missing already. Um, and then also when, like, um, Ray, is that his name? Yeah. Ray? Ray? Yes. When he gets injured because Chet is, like, having roid rage, like, she goes to make sure he's okay. Yeah. Um, so she's, like, a very virtuous character. We're also seeing, like, more of um, Billy Lord's character. She's, like, very sex-charged. Um, after we meet Trevor, uh, Matthew Morrison's character, they 
almost have sex in the lake. He definitely goes down on her. Yeah. I mean, they have oral sex. He goes down on her. And then my favorite line of the episode is spoken, um, which is um, Montana tells him, because the storm's coming in, you know, he's going down on her, and she sees these headlights of a car, so there's two more tropes for you. Yep. Um, and she gets a little freaked out, and so he comes back up, and she's like, oh, you don't want to be out in the storm with that lightning rod, uh, referring to his penis. They which, also call it an elephant's trunk at yeah, one point. Yeah. It's just too good. Yeah. I just love all of it. Uh, especially because Billy Lord is fantastic. Yeah, she's as, great. In this character. Um, yeah, um, and then, like I said, you know, Chet has his weird moment where they're watching the Olympics and he, like, gets super pissed. So we're get, we're getting little glimpses into, like, these characters. Um, like, a little more, you know, what's nice about episodic is you don't have to lay it all out there in a number of, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Like, you can dole it out in small doses. Um, and then when she, when Brooke goes to the cabin to get, like, the uh, bandages for Ray, she finds the hiker dead. And he's, like, um, stabbed up to a door in the cabin. And then she sees Mr. Jingles outside. He has made his way to the camp. Um, and we see that he, we do see that he has also killed the gas station attendant, the one who warned them about the camp by, um, he was working on a car and he kicks out the, the jacks on the car. So the car crushes his sternum and then he curb stomps him. Um, and now he has made his way back to the camp. He's in full rain slicker gear. He's outside of the cabin and he chases her back to the camp counselor cabin um, and then again that trope of they go back to find the, the hiker he's gone no sign of blood no sign of violence nothing no sign of anything so they're like they start asking her like how much weed did you smoke and she's like none and they're like you must have the mother of all contact highs I also enjoyed that they make um, they make what's her face say um, Margaret goes what are those funny smelling cigarettes? What are those cloves? So I enjoy all these like little eighties like yeah. things. Um, I because they also they do call it like the, yeah those funny smelling cigarettes and stuff. So I think that's fun. Um, and then the very how the episode ends is Brooks all freaked out. Everyone else is kind of on edge, but they're like, oh, like you're just you're just you're freaked out because of the whole night soccer thing, like your attack, and so they kind of don't believe her. Um, and then the this random payphone starts ringing, and so she goes and answers it, and it's the she hears the keys from Mr. Jingles, and then we see behind her that the Night Stalker has followed her to camp, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Um. So, pretty solid, mm-hmm. like first episode. There's a lot I enjoy, like through the whole thing too. Like, if you've ever watched American Horror Story, you know it's never that straightforward. No. So. There's lots of, like, already, like, so Xavier calls his voicemail at one point and listens to his voicemails, and he has, like, a weird voicemail that's uh, some guy, and he's like, if you think you can just take your little dick and leave, like, blah, 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 I'm gonna find you. So there's something going on with him, and then there's the headlights that yes, um, the Billy Lord's character yeah. saw, uh, Montana, because he, the killer wasn't at the camp yet. Yeah. And then also the hiker was missing his ear before Mr. Jingles escaped. Yeah. Um, so well, we, we think it's hard to know a timeline. Yeah, it, we think because by the time he shows up, and it does say three hours earlier, but like we see it's nighttime when Jingles kills the gas station attendant. Yeah. So we, I'm pretty sure it's not him. Yeah. Um. So I think they're doing a lot of misdirection on purpose yeah. because I honestly think there's going to be like three killers, or mm-hmm. I mean, I I was telling B like some people are already hypothesizing that 
the Night Stalker is not actually there, but like a hallucination. So who knows? There's a lot, you know, it's the first episode. Yeah. A lot of guesses could be made. Um, but I really like it, and yeah. especially Billy Lord is amazing. If you guys, um, she is... Playing Montana. Yeah, she's playing Montana. She is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Um, she was in Scream Queens, and she was great in that. And mm-hmm. her character in this is, like, easily my favorite character because she's so ridiculous. Um, and she just plays the character very well. Yeah, and it's nice to see Emma Roberts as Brooke normally she's played the you know nice girl before i mean she did most of her career and then when she started working with ryan murphy she was always sort of like the mean girl girl. um and so she was the mean girl in numerous seasons of american horror story and And then at scream queens she was the main mean girl and so it's nice to see her back as sort of like the good girl Mm -hmm. i am because I enjoyed that. She's really good at being a bitch, don't get me wrong, but I also enjoy this side of her, too, um, which is fun. Yeah. No, it's really fun. Like, again, there were some reviews I saw that said, like, oh, too nostalgic. I don't think that's true. I think it perfectly leans well, into it, and it's on also, purpose. Also, you can't be too nostalgic when you're making a show called 1984. I don't really understand that crit. Oh, I mean, yeah, I've seen a lot of people be like, what does this mean? Um, I, like, think, I think a lot of people... Th- a lot of people feel like they're cashing in on the craze right now, which is... Probably, but I mean... Like, one, smart strategy. Yeah. Do it while it's hot. Two, American Horror Story has covered so many decades already. Yeah. Uh, it was only a matter of time until they got to the 80s, so if they want to do it now when it's hot, I don't care. And if they're going to do it well and fun like this... Listen, like, B and I are both slasher fans, and as slasher fans, I, I mean, I can't speak for B, but I'm telling you right now, I'm having a lot of fun with it because I'm like, oh... They know their audience. It feels like Final Girls to me. Like, it's very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. And they know what they're doing, but it's still got that edge that American Horror Story has, because don't get me wrong, the violence is graphic, Um, and, like, it does a good job at going from, like, straight camp to, like, now it's serious and creepy. Yes. Um, No, I am... I really enjoyed this episode. I like what they're doing, and I also enjoy, at least so far, it seems like... They're playing the tropes without um, sort of making making fun of them. I don't know if that's the best way to say it. Because, of course, if you're going to be, you know, pl- paying homage to a lot of these. They're not hyperbole. But they're not doing it in a way where, like, as fans of those movies, I feel like, yeah, okay, I get it. I know. It's silly. But whatever. I like it. Like, I'm not feeling attacked i guess oh absolutely yeah, yeah um yeah. it feels like they're doing it out of love and earnestly um which i enjoy because there's definitely like some of the ones that you know play these tropes and uh do it do it in a way where they're like well yeah look look how dumb this was yeah it's like, almost look how silly this was yeah. yeah um and so it seems to really be you know a, a love letter to the genre and trying to trying to play up what made these movies so fun yeah. in the show. And it's cool. We got, like, two final girls, we, like, characters essentially with Brooke and Margaret. We have two killers right now. So there's, like, a lot of, like, yeah. fun things that, again, that you can't really do in movies a lot of the time. Yeah, and so we've gotten our trailer for next week's episode. I'm already really excited for that. 
I don't, maybe it was just me misinterpreting it, but when I watched it, it made it seem like, did you watch it? Yeah, it does make it seem it like it's it over one night. It seems like it's over one night. And I also think maybe that because they kept talking about how the campers are coming tomorrow. Yes, that was the main thing that made And me so I'm it. like, well, there's no way they're bringing in campers, right? Maybe, but I don't think so. Because never in these movies is it the campers involved. Well, and like well, even in the trailer, never, it was like this season. And like yeah, it, no campers. Like, and no light. Oh, yeah. Everything all at night. was yeah. at night. Yeah. I think um, our flashbacks will be during the day. Yeah, so yeah. I think we're going to get flashbacks to other things. But I, I, I'm having a suspicion it's all going to take place on one night, which I really like. Because that's how this I would be cool that out. because it also makes the most sense instead of like a killer just existing there for numerous nights and them staying. Like No, that wouldn't make sense. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So I think that's how it's going to have to be. And I also looks like Mr. Jingles and the Night Stalker meet. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. so that looks cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm super excited to see sort of where they take this. And I'm curious to see how many, like, flashbacks we get mm-hmm. and how many kills we're going to get yeah. per episode. Because we do get, like... It's not that big of a cast, so... No, the cast isn't that big. And so we get 9, 10, 11, 12 in this. Um, because we get the nine uh, campers in the beginning, gas station attendant, the security guard at the asylum, and the hitchhiker, um, or the hiker is killed. Um, what is your favorite kill in the episode? Um, I... I mean, I think I liked the... Um, gas station attendant one the best. Mm-hmm. It's um, the most brutal. It's the most brutal, and I just loved the Halloween vibes of it. Mm-hmm. And I, as somebody who watches her husband get under a car that's jacked up all the time, like that's a legitimate, I mean, fear of both of ours. But I think it just like that, those types of kills like always hit me because they're so realistic. Yeah. And that's. One of the things I love about slashers is that it's just a person yeah. most of the time. And so those always really hit me hard where I'm like, yeah, you could just be under a car and some fucking psycho is going to like take the jacks off and smash it. Whether they can kick your head in, I mean, not really. And it can't be a curb stop, stomp, right? There was no curb. Okay. A curb stomp it's is a, when they put your teeth on the curb and then they stomp your it's head. It's a boot stomp. Yeah. Okay. Like a head smash. Yeah, head like smash. Head boots, boot head smash. If there's a technical term out there, let us know. Yeah. Uh, mine, I'm going to steal a page out of your book in the With intro the first. kill. Yeah. yeah. That first kill just set me up for what I was getting it, again. Just, okay, this is what we're going to do. And yeah. I, I really liked the, it was a classic slasher kill, but it was still pretty creative. I Like I said, I enjoyed that they were making out and it went through both their mouths. Mm -hmm. I thought that was clever. I thought it was smart. No, and it's a good way to start it. And it's a good way to get one of the most important tropes of a slasher. And you have to have a flashback. Yeah. And And like you, I'm very interested to see how many kills we end up getting. Because the cast is small, so they can't kill that many people off fast. Because you can't reduce the cast. We have nine more episodes. Yeah. Oh, it's ten? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So we will be back every week that the show is on. We'll comes out Wednesdays. We'll record Thursdays. It'll be out Fridays. So pretty quick turnaround. We're gonna um, try to keep uh, barring any like unforeseen things. We'll keep current. Um, I don't think this show takes a break. So no, it'll be uh, ten weeks in a row. Uh, with that said, uh, knowing that we're gonna be recording Thursdays, if you're watching it on Wednesdays or if you're watching it 
on DVR the next day and you want us to talk about something or have any questions, hit us up on Twitter and we'll talk about it during the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. Cool. So we'll be here every week. Um, and then don't forget, you can also tune in in like a week and a half for our episode, regular, uh, regularly programmed episode of Keep Screaming with Story Row. And until then, keep screaming.